Straight to you from Denver, Colorado, this is Precursor the Startup Journey. We share the ins and outs of building a tech startup from inception to launch to revenue and beyond. If you've ever wondered what building a startup from scratch really looks like, you're in the right place. With full transparency and honesty, we reveal it all about Precursa on our ride from idea to exit, the wins, the lessons learned, and the unexpected twists and turns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Precursa, the startup journey. This is another one of our entrepreneur experience segments. I have such an amazing guest for you today. I'm so excited. Today, we're joined by Amanda Gunville. She's a serial entrepreneur. She's the CEO and co-founder of Sportsbet AR, and she's the COO and CMO of Wander and Ivy. She got all the skills in her tool bag. She started her career in sports and media, but she's built several companies along the way, primarily in the CPG space, but also in tech. And she's one of my favorite humans on the planet. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm so excited to be here to just enjoy some time with you. I know. I love that we get to spend time together like this. It's so fun. It is. is. We need (laughs) more of it. We really do. You're not, you're, you're so right. All right. So why don't you start by just tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do? You know, who you are? <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> oh, th- this might take the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm Amanda. Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I just, I get so excited about starting new things, but started my journey, as you mentioned, in the sports world, moved into consulting And then started several of my own companies, which I exited, which gave me an opportunity to really take a look at what I could potentially invest in and get behind. And so I currently am working with two different companies. One is Wander and Ivy, which is the premium and organic single serve wine company, which my family and I have invested in. And I am fortunate enough to be the COO and CMO of the company. And then I would say more my side passion project is sports betting AR, which is a technology in the sports betting world. So that takes up all my time. And of course, the new baby. (laughs) Yes, Amanda's a new mom. We were talking before uh, we started recording and I was saying, how is being an entrepreneur different than being a mom? So why not, you know, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about like, What's that experience been like, you know, trying to build and run and nurture two companies and then having a little human to build and nurture? <laughs> um, exhausting is the first word that comes to mind. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's interesting because like you, I'm a researcher and I research the heck out of any new company, you know, and if you sort of put together the formula, you sort of expect a certain outcome. So, of course... Being a mom, I did the same exact thing. I think I've read every blog, every book. I've tried every method. And at the end of the day, you just can't predict human behavior in a two-month-old or a three-month-old. And so I have to tell myself, go ahead and implement the strategies. But if it doesn't work, it's not you're not the failure. It's just you're dealing with a little human who has her own idea of what she wants to do and when she wants to sleep and when she wants to eat and when she wants to go to the bathroom. (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess that is kind of unique, right? Like a human, they do have their own will. Even as a baby, there is there's something that is unique and and willful in that. Whereas, you know, mostly our companies fail to exist outside of us. I mean, I always think of them as a separate entity, but it's not one that has its own will. I mean, it does, but I'm the one who has to do it, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. So tell us a little bit more about what you're currently working on. So you said Sportsbet AR is kind of your passion project. Tell us a little bit about Wander and Ivy and what does that experience look like? How did you get involved with that? By the way, Dana, who is the CEO and the founder of that company, we would love to have her come on here as well, because to get a dual perspective on the same company would be amazing. Oh, and she is lovely and so articulate, so stinking smart. So she would be a phenomenal guest for you. So yeah, so it's a fun story. It actually involves you, of course. So <laughs> Cynthia and I are a part of a group of, of ladies and one man who are very passionate about supporting female entrepreneurs and in various ways, one of which is, of course, money when entrepreneurs need money. Um, so back in November of 2019, we held a pitch event for eight different companies where we had them come and pitch to us for 20 minutes. And from that, we decided there was about half of them we were you know, fairly interested in. And so we did a deep dive diligence on three or four of them and just absolutely fell in love with Dana, who, by the way, at the time was eight months pregnant. So blew us all away that she came oh in gosh. and knocked it out of the park. She was amazing. She walks in. I don't remember who was sitting next to me, but I turned to whoever's sitting next to me. and I was like, do we need to have somebody like standing by? Is she like... <laughs> Is this baby coming like any minute? And she's here pitching her company. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Like amazing. On a day that it was blizzarding and she was wearing heels, which I, oh I don't know, gosh. but but my center of gravity while pregnant was not one that heels allowed for. We'll just say that. So. My center of gravity on a normal day mostly doesn't allow <laughs> for heels, especially in the snow. Isn't that uh, the truth? So there was three of us that sat down with her for a half day about, I think, two two weeks before she delivered her baby. And we you know, we dug into every piece of the of the company. And our goal during that session was, of course, the diligence on whether or not we wanted to put capital in the company, but also identifying ways in which we could support her and help her. And that was, you know, that's really what our passion is, as you well know. And so we spent that whole day just giving ideas. And and to be fair, um, myself and one of the other ladies in the group, Sarah, looked at each other and we said, holy smokes, I, we just cannot find a flaw with this <laughs> with this founder. I mean, she, of course, there's inherent risk in any startup, right? I mean, that's, that's just... The, the, the facts of the matter. But as far as risk mitigation across the board, she had just nailed it I mean, to the point where she had a life insurance policy on herself. If anything happened to her, all the investors would get paid back their initial capital. I mean, it was just wow. incredible. And wow. so, so that was, uh, I guess, December of 2019. And then, you know, we just, you know, went through the process. She was planning on closing her funds in a few months. She had her baby and, then COVID happened. And yeah. you and I and Sarah and the rest of the group said, okay, this is an unprecedented time, probably 
you know, rounds of funding are not going to be able to be closed. But how can we be a resource for these entrepreneurs and really help them in a time when we just don't know what the capital market's going to look like. And yeah. so we each did our part with various different companies that we had met that we felt passionate about. And I happened to have previously owned a beverage company. So I had a ton of experience in the beverage world, not alcoholic, but I am a level two sommelier that I did for fun <laughs> just because I love wine and why wouldn't you? Um, oh my gosh, I and love so, that. yeah, so I, I, I reached out to Dana and said, Hey, I want to support you. I know you don't have any money. That's okay. Yeah. But I would love to just, you know, start working with you and, and help you. And she said, wow, fantastic. And so we started working together and within two weeks, she said, this is so much fun. We're crushing it together. Can we make this formal? And, uh, and you know, within a month. Do you want to go I steady? Yeah, basically, <laughs> we were dating. <laughs> Actually, we were dating and quickly became married because yeah. my my family and I, you know, within also within about a month decided that we wanted to, we wanted to invest in Wander and Ivy in a pretty significant way. And so we yeah. uh, we joined the round of capital that closed. I believe it was it closed in June of that year. Yeah, you know, brains are mush. So yeah. some sometime in the Juneish time frame, pre COVID, post COVID, nobody knows what happened during COVID. <laughs> exactly, isn't that the truth? Yeah. So we've just been working on the company, growing it. Twenty twenty saw phenomenal growth. We were up four hundred and fifty percent year over year. Wow. Um, expanded across both states in the direct to consumer market and amongst national retailers. So. It was a really fun year. This year, 2021, we are up a little over 250% year over year. Wow. Um, and what's really fun is we're exceeding, Dana puts together forecasts, which are pretty aggressive. And each yeah. quarter we, we're, you know, anywhere from 5, 10, 20% above the forecasts, which are wow. pretty aggressive. So that's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> and how long has Wander and Ivy been a company? Because, you know, there's this myth about the overnight success. And it's easy to look at that and say, oh, in the last two years, look what you've done. And it's like, well, it took longer than that. So talk a little bit about how long Wander and Ivy's been doing their thing. Heck yeah, it's a def definitely not overnight. So Dana founded the company in 2017. You know, took, as, as you can imagine in the wine business, it's not like you sign the papers, your entity docs, and the next day you have wine to sell on the <laughs> shelf. <at> the <laughs> um, there's the growing of the grapes and the production and bottling and all that. So production, she began selling in 2018 and then actually launched the direct to consumer business in 2019. But the bulk of 2000, the, you know, what was left of 2018 and into 2019 was really product and price validation. So yeah. launching in the home state of Colorado, which for those who don't know the wine business, which I would imagine as most, a lot of states are chain business states. So, you yeah. know, you get into the big chains, you get one decision maker and all of a sudden you get into 50 or a hundred stores in Colorado. It's largely independent. So there is no chain business. So you have to literally go and knock on hundreds every of doors, door. each and every single one of them, which she did wow. successfully. She was in, I think within a, a first year, she was in a hundred accounts, her going in, telling her story and, wow. and validating the price point of a 187 milliliter 
beautiful glass bottle of delicious wine. <laughs> yeah, I love that you said that. So I, I want to point out a couple things for our listeners. So the first thing is, Dana has a pretty specific niche that she found for Wander and Ivy. And we talk a lot about niching down. And I hear people all the time say, oh, my gosh, but everybody would love what I'm doing. And it's like, yeah, but you've got to find that sort of like core audience. And so for Wander and Ivy, Dana does single serving, you know, you said 180 187 milliliter, which is basically like two glasses, right? So for people who maybe their spouse doesn't drink or they don't have anybody else in the house. And so when they want to open a bottle of wine, they don't want to open a whole bottle. But all of the single serve wines previous to Wander and Ivy were like wine in a box or wine in a can or things that were like, you know, wine like, right? And so Mm -hmm. what Dana did was she took vintage wine and vintage blends that are exactly the same quality as what you would get out of a good bottle of wine and put it into single serving sizes. And the bottles are gorgeous and the product is beautiful and like you feel so elegant when you're drinking it and it tastes good, which is really unique for that space. So she niched down in that way. But did you also remember that Amanda said, Dana started her company in 2017, and it wasn't until 2019 that she had validated her price, what she was building, how she was pulling together all the manufacturing. That's a couple years. So if you're building a company and you're three or four months in and you're going, oh, my gosh, I have to get to market. Take a breath. It's okay. Like, go slow to go smooth. Smooth will get you fast, right? So... Thank you for for kind of expanding on that a little bit, because I feel like people people really do buy into this overnight success. And, you know, oh, Bumble, Whitney sold her company for over a billion dollars. Yeah, it took her 12 years to do it. That's the piece that people don't realize, right? Absolutely. I'm going to go back in time a little. You had a beverage company before, right? And I know mm-hmm. that this this for you is kind of like my commercial real estate foray. Tell us a little bit about that experience and what did you learn from that? Let me tell you, I learned a lot more from that experience than any other success. It is, it is, you're exactly right. It is my biggest learning experience. So it was a beverage company where I teamed up with a a couple of doctors in the Denver area who had developed a formulation with the Department of Defense, with about 10 years of data, 20 different clinical trials in both humans and animals. And it was essentially an antioxidant micronutrient formula that essentially reverses the effects of concussions. And so wow. we we took that formula, put it into a drink, and I, I met the the two doctors and they had done all the studies and I said, well, let's commercialize this thing. Yeah. And so that some, for some reason they trusted me to do that, which was fun. So we, created, you're amazing. <laughs> you're so, <laughs> um, so we created product, teamed up with a local distributor and it was amazing. We grew so fast and so furious, but with that, gosh, I'm, where do I start? There are so many lessons. So <laughs> We were funded by a pretty significant investor and I learned, I can tell you, I learned, you know, when somebody is willing to give you $10 million, you don't worry too much about what the paperwork says. You're just excited about the money, Right. Um, but you, I will say, be cautious. I mean, yes, you have to have the money to start the thing, but you 
also need to read every line because when you give that person power to essentially shut your company down or, or let it soar, or, mm. you know, our funding came in tranches based on milestones that we hit, we, yeah. you know, which we did amazingly every single one of them. Ultimately, he still had the power to decide our destiny. Um, wow. So, so that was one lesson learned. The other one was that I would, at the time was in my early thirties and I had never been in beverage before. So I hired very seasoned males in their late forties, early fifties <laughs> who had 20 years experience in Coke and Pepsi. And I paid them very handsome salaries. And I also yes. put, let them control everything. I had really strong feelings about you know, what the product should look like, but they, you know, look at me, well, that's just not the way it's done. And I didn't trust my gut or no, we need to do a photo shoot for $275,000. And I was, and I thought, no, we don't. I mean, we can get product photos for less than that. No, this is just the way it's done. This is the way it's done. I heard that a million times. This is the way it's done. And I was young and I didn't, you know, didn't trust myself enough to be honest, to just say okay, maybe the way it was done, this is the way it's going to be done because this is my company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, But it's a good point you're making, which is that executives of big companies, yes, they have a ton of experience. They, I mean, if you're at Coke or Pepsi, you've probably got a half a billion dollar marketing budget. That's very different than a startup that's got to be scrappy and figure out different ways and find different paths to penetrate whatever market you're trying to get into because you just don't have cash to burn like that. And there's a lot of executives that have never run, they've never owned a company, they've never started from nothing. And so they don't understand that it is different. I think that is such an an enormously profound, just like drill that into your head is that just because somebody has decades of experience does not necessarily mean that they are the right team member for you to hire. Well, and also think about it. They also have a team of not only do they have the half a billion dollar marketing budget, but they also had a team of hundreds, if not thousands that were working with them to do all of the little menial tasks, the things that really made the the system run. They, they had tons of people to do each of those jobs. They themselves may or may not have ever done it. Or if they did, it was two decades ago and technology now passed. And so, (laughs) yeah, I I mean, you, you really need to make sure that when you're hiring, it's not just about that experience it's really about somebody who has built something before, mm-hmm. right? Understands mm-hmm. that I don't care what your business card says, you have to be willing to take out the trash and, yep. you know, clean the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you're do, saying is entrepreneurship is not glamorous? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's so, it's so true. It's so darn fun, but it is so much work. Yeah. What yeah. ultimately happened with the beverage company? So we um, hit our milestones. We unfortunately, our, our investor had a, a change of heart, we'll just call it, or mm. decided, well, I shouldn't say change of heart. He was taking his parent company public and his lawyers said that there were about 20 companies in his portfolio that did not fit the core of what the parent company was doing and they needed to quote unquote divest, which just basically meant he didn't have to continue to fund. 
And, you know, we didn't have any money. I mean, were they in breach of contract? Absolutely. But we didn't have any money. So, yeah. you know, we knew we couldn't fight a person who has billions yeah. of dollars. So, oh. and at that point, you know, we were, you know, we were cash strapped and, and had no runway. Another lesson, right, in time. Yeah. <laughs> and just because I just assumed that that a signed contract meant that that per, you know, people would do what they say they're going to do, but it doesn't. So you, you need to have plan A, B, C, D, and E in place just yeah. in case risk mitigation, risk mitigation, risk mitigation. And even when you have those contracts in place yeah. to make sure that you, you, again, you just have plan B and the, and plan B should be a, a beautiful runway of cash. Never wait yeah. till the point where you're a month away from running out of cash. I mean, we had just sold into 2,000 stores and yeah. we didn't have the money to, for production to be able to fulfill those orders. You know, you would say, well, oh, okay, well, if you have the POs, why can't you just get the bank financing? Well, good luck finding you're bank a startup. Financing. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, and especially early stage startups, you know, part of the reason why, you know, the why Allow exists and the mission of Allow exists is because there's this weird place that most early stage startups fall into, which is banks are looking at the past and they definitely don't want you growing too fast. They're about, we get paid our interest over time if you have steady growth so that you can make your payments, but you're not growing so fast that you paid off early, we never make our interest, right? Mm -hmm. VCs, private equity firms, a lot of angel investors, they're looking for the future and they're looking for proof Mm -hmm. that either, you know, you have revenue or you've got a product already out there. Like there's this weird middle spot that a lot of early stage startups exist in where it's just like you do whatever you can to find money. And there's very few traditional, I'm putting traditional in quotes, mm -hmm. but traditional outlets for finding money for those kind of companies. And that's exactly where you were. And here's another huge lesson that I learned is that at the time, you know, we were able to raise money on a pretty significant valuation. It was it was uh, $10 million pre-money, $20 million post, which, you know, as a as an idea, I literally came to it with an idea and some clinical studies behind it, yeah. which, you know, which was significant, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the second you start producing and generating a dollar in revenue, you now qualify for for a multiple valuation. In other words, right. if you made a dollar today and industry standard is 10x on revenue, your company's worth $10, okay? Yeah. So once we had started generating revenue, because uh, the other question somebody would say, well, well, your company was doing so well, why wasn't there another investor interested? And yeah. for me to go in and say to an investor, well, this is a $20 million company and they say, well, but you've only generated a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue. I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't follow the math on a hundred X valuation. Um, yeah, but we already gave away half our company at that. So mm -hmm. absolutely. You can't go down. You can't go back and say, well, now our company's worth, well, you know, a million dollars. So we need half a million and give up away 50. It's, it's, it's done, right? You've already set the stage. So you know, there's two options. One is get as much cash as you can up front. So, you know, you have the runway to get to the sales point that will get you to the next valuation point. Yeah. 
you know, or just don't get over your skis on your valuation, which is a yeah. hard one, right? Because yeah. you say, well, oh my gosh, if I'm going to get money, I'm not going to take investment money and they're going to give me this high of a valuation. I mean, that's great. I'm not giving away as much of my company, but just make sure you have enough runway to get you to the next you know, to the next stage or else you'll be in a down round, which is the kiss of death. Yeah. Talk yeah. about trough of sorrows. Right. So, <laughs> so what would you say in your experience is the most important trait or characteristic that someone needs to have if they're going to be a successful entrepreneur? Perseverance. A hundred percent perseverance. Because you will have a hundred times, sometimes in a day, sometimes in a week, sometimes in a, in a month, there will be a hundred things that come at you that tell you that you should not do what you're doing. There might mm. be someone who says it might be a potential customer that tells you you're an idiot. It might be investors that tell you your, your concept is dumb and I'll never, you'll never get funding. It could be a spouse. It could be a family member that tells you what, you know, what you're doing isn't worth it. There are so many reasons. It could be, you know, a, 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 if you're a manufacturing, a manufacturing plant that goes down or right now the international shipping debacle that you can't get any products, um, you know, on a, an, a, an appropriate time. So that's my long winded way of saying there will be so many times when you're told no and told to give up. So you have to have perseverance to say, I believe in myself. I believe what I'm doing. I know I'm going to be successful. And you just keep going. Oh, I love that. So you're reminding me, I listen, I listen to a podcast called The Happiness Lab, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's Dr. Lori Santos. And she is a neuroscientist. She, she teaches at Yale. And so she does all these really clinical scientific studies, right? And the, the episode I was listening to yesterday, she was talking about the Michael Phelps story. And his coach was saying, you know, not only did, did we work with Michael physically, you know, obviously had a lot of raw physical talent. We had to kind of hone and refine that so that he could really use all of it. And he's like, but we also work mentally, you know. And so he, I, as he's swimming his as he's swimming his races and swimming his laps and doing his practice, he's thinking about the outcome that he wants. He's visualizing that. And he said, what I didn't realize before the 2008 Olympics is he was also doing the opposite because mostly we hear, you know, positive thinking, focus on the outcome you want, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, de-emphasize the negative. Here's the thing. Michael Phelps got bored doing all the focusing on the positive. And so when he was in the pool, he would think about what would happen if I couldn't see because my glasses fogged up. What if somebody came into my lane? What would I do? Like his mind started working out all of the what if scenarios. And here's what happened in the 2008 Olympics. He was poised to win the gold and break the world record in, I believe it was the butterfly. The gun goes off, he jumps into the water and immediately his goggles fill with water and he can see nothing. And in the Olympics, you can't stop and handle that situation. You just have to keep going because otherwise it's a penalty and you're disqualified from the race. Well, he had planned for, if I can't see, what do I do? Not only did he win the gold medal, he broke the world record. Now, here's the funny part. Because 
he was focused on also the potential obstacles that could come into his path. So he knew exactly the number of strokes to get from where he was to the other end of the pool and back. So he knew exactly when he should feel the wall without being able to see it. He knew exactly how to execute his turns without being able to see it. That is the power of thinking about, you know, you're saying plan B, plan C, plan E, plan F, so you know, all the way to plan Z sometimes and then back around again, right? Double A. That is the power of that because life is going to happen, right? I mean, that's what we're saying. Life's going to happen. And so when Amanda says perseverance, what she's saying is life's going to happen. Do you have the resiliency? Do you have the ability to see the obstacles, maybe even plan for a lot of those obstacles so that your brain is in the mode of what do I need to do to overcome this or what? how do I change my path to go around it? So I love that answer. It's a great answer. <laughs> well, thank you. you. You gave me goosebumps. I had not heard that full story before and that oh is oh my gosh it's so such a great powerful. story so powerful well, and so so michael gets out of the pool and he's he takes off his goggles and he's talking to his coach he's like oh my gosh he's like i could have shaved another half a second off of that if i could have seen fortunately i planned for it like what happened and the coach is like dude you won the gold and you broke the world record even though you couldn't see so let's put a smile on our face because there's billions <laughs> of people watching <laughs> but it just oh shows you the power of some would say the power of preparation, but it's really about giving your brain the freedom to think about all the things that it's always thinking about and that freedom to be creative, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a great story. I love that story. You know, that's funny. It reminds me when I was a kid, I played competitive golf and my dad, you know, would take me out after either before he went to work or after he went out to work and he would put me behind a tree and we would spend an hour, you know, perfecting the loft of the ball so that I could hit over the tree, under the tree, around the tree. And wow. it was all of the obstacles so that, because you know, in golf, you are at some point going to hit a bad shot and you are going to be, you know, in a weird in a, place, in a weird place. And so, yeah you know, it, it made it so that when that happened, it actually brought a fun feeling, right? Because my dad yeah. made it fun. And <laughs> I would say, I've got this shot. And, you know, and instead of feeling defeated, I felt like I can overcome this obstacle. So yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that in years. It's been, it's been a few that. years since that, but um, <laughs> similar, I guess, in, in, a, in a way of, of being trained for Anything. Totally. Anything's totally. Possible. Because your dad could have put you down with perfect putts or put perfect drive shots or whatever and said, okay, how do you do this? But he didn't. He put you in this situation where it was like, there is a big MF and tree in front of you. What are you going to do? And you're like, okay, let's really work this out. Like, what are the options? Right. Yeah. And that is what building a startup is like. That's what building a business is like. It's, mm -hmm. it, it is. And to your point, you know, I was interested in, in one of the things that you said because a lot of times people, you know, I say you need to do customer validation, you need to talk to people, you need to get that early product market fit feedback, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say, well, I talked to my mom and I talked to my wife and I talked to, you know, my best friend and they're all good with it. What's interesting is you said sometimes it'll be somebody close to you who's telling you you can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. And that may seem like it'll never happen to you. And that is also, but if it does, it's also not an indicator that you're on the wrong path either. Agreed. Like you have to kind of consider the source, right? Like some people are just really negative or they couldn't do it. Perfect example. I was at dinner a couple of weeks ago with some very, very good friends of ours. And I have this agreement with Sarah and Paige that 
if we can sell our company for a billion dollars, I'll get the unicorn tattoo. Like that's the only tattoo I will ever have in my life. (laughs) And that's the only reason I would ever get it. But I made that deal with them. Right. And so I was telling my friend that at dinner and she was like a billion dollars, really? And it would have been very easy for me to start feeling a particular way because she's somebody who's she's she's very wealthy. She's done very well for herself, like all these things. Right. And and I was like, yeah, yeah, a billion dollars. Yeah, we're doing it. totally possible. I work yeah. in I live in a world where that's totally possible. And so it's but it but you have to that's again, back to your point of perseverance, you have to marshal your thoughts and you have to marshal what what data you take in from the outside versus what you sort of like, don't take in because you realize that it doesn't match your intuition. It's not the way that your company is telling you it wants to go. It's it, it's so true. And that, and I think you make a very good point in that, you know, you don't dismiss everybody's opinion, right? Because no. you do need those those customer validations. You take in all the information and then it truly is up to you, your experience, your intuition to determine, I'm keeping this, I'm throwing this, I'm keeping yeah. this, I'm throwing this. And yep. and then you can make good, but you do, you have to trust yourself. That's right. You know? That's and right. Yeah. Making those, those calls. <laughs> All right. So if you could give other entrepreneurs one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, boy. Woo-wee. Can I have like 10? (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, why I have a podcast. I have a new one every week. (laughs) I know, right? So you could could do that. You know, if I could give entrepreneurs one piece of advice, it would be just try. You know, Mm. just get out there and just take the next step, even if that next step is, you know, customer validation. But each day you take the next step and the next step and the next step. And um, the next thing you know, you've created a company. The next thing you know, you've sold a product. The next thing you know, you have employees. The next thing you know, you have you know, a real viable, sellable company. And it's because... It's not like you said, it's not an overnight success. It's because each day you woke up and decided to take the next step. So just try. I love that. I love that. (laughs) That's totally going to be the quote for the cover art. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. A quick, quick lightning round. Mm -hmm. What job other than your own would you most like to try? A wedding planner. Ooh. (laughs) I love that. Why? I just think it's like, it's so, okay. So don't get me wrong. I've, I've thought about, oh, you're dealing with bridezillas and you're working on the weekends. Okay. Let's pretend none of that exists. If all <laughs> I got to do is create gorgeous um, events where people have the time of their life and create memories and, you know, it's just fun. Gosh, I love I event love planning. So I love that. I didn't know. Yeah. I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you next time I have to plan an event. <laughs> oh, I love event planning. It's so fun. Oh my At gosh. least for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tell me your, your first thought about the statistic. Okay. I'm going to give you a statistic and then you're going to tell me what you think. 42% of startups fail because no one wants what they're building. Ooh. I mean, I think that that is, I'm sure it's correct. And I would say, that's why you have to do your homework. And mm. if you can, if you can do basically what you preach, you know, in your, in your work is, 
getting that market validation, you'll have half the battle won, right? So you don't waste your time, whether that's a day, a, a year, three years on something. And it could just be a small pivot, by the way. It might be the core of your company might be darn near spot on, but there's one piece that's just not going to resonate or one shift that you could make that could get you to not be a part of the 42%. (laughs) (laughs) I love that answer. Uh, Okay. What are three other podcasts or books or some kind of resources that you'd recommend to my audience who are primary entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs and why? So I love, love, love Guy Raz, How I Built This. I Mm -hmm. listen to almost every one of his episodes. Um, If I haven't, it's just because I've just had a baby. But um, (laughs) it's it's so unbelievably inspiring. You get to hear about the stories. And and one thing you'll find out in every multi-million dollar or billion dollar company or exit, they came to a point where they should have stopped, should have quit, but they just didn't. Right. And so it's really fun to hear the stories, get ideas too. Right. So that's how I built this by Guy Raz. It's an NPR podcast. And then, um, Entree Leadership is another good one. I love Entree Leadership. Yeah. That, Ah. in fact, we just, we just implemented, this is, you, you know, a couple of years ago, I listened to a great episode about, uh, hire slow, fire fast. So if somebody's, you know, a cancer or not performing significantly, don't be afraid. You just got to, you know, rip the bandaid off and go. But the more important piece that where we, what we just implemented in, in Wander and Ivy was the hire slow. You get excited about a hire. You have a great interview. Oh, we loved them. And I said, no, let's go ahead and fly them out. Let's meet them. Let's go to a dinner, see how they, see how they handle themselves with people who are serving them. Let's talk about family. You know, yep. let's try to get to the core of their character. Because we know that. firing's not easy. I say fire fast, but it's not easy. So no. let's take our time and really be thoughtful and do our homework because it might take an extra couple of weeks to get that person. Then they're with you for years. So it's worth yeah. it. So that is another one. And then ooh, third one, so I, this is totally unconventional, um, but <laughs> we love I'm, that on this show. <laughs> good. I love following on Instagram Sarah Blakely and her husband Jesse. It's I think it's, I think his last name is pronounced Itzler, and they're just so inspiring. I mean Jesse especially. He's a motivational speaker, and he always has really interesting, very unconventional way of living. But I love that. the things that they do, you know, both in their business and personal and, you know, personal being family, but also like charitable. It's just very inspiring. So I'd say they're great follows on, on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. I love that. So the key to having a successful uh, startup is marry a motivational speaker. (laughs) 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 This, that one married a surgeon. You married a business guy too. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to try that one in the next life. (laughs) My husband might be motivational in trying to get me to play lots of golf and, uh, you know, having a few cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right. Last question. What's one question you wish I had asked you and how would you have answered it? Oh boy. Golly, you're so good at this game. (laughs) 
you you are it's a it's a phenomenal podcast um thank you what what is what's something well how about this can you have it all can you have mm. can you have family and successful career you know etc yeah so um, can you <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's a, it's the hardest question i will say because I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I feel like I'm failing every day, even though I know we're succeeding, right? Like I feel like I'm tired. And so, you know, I'm not as sharp as I normally am you know, at work. I feel like I'm, I have so much going on at work that sometimes, you know, I don't get to be as present with my daughter as I would love to be. With that said, I think you absolutely can if you give yourself grace and time block. <laughs> time blocking is huge, right? So time blocking and grace. I love it. Yes, because you can, you know, and just being present when you're doing like right now, I'm not thinking about anything else but being here with you and having yeah. this conversation. This wouldn't be as fun of a conversation if in the back of my mind I'm thinking about all the things I need to do for Wander and Ivy and when I, you know, how am I going to do this loop training tonight and the yeah. bottle feeding and breastfeeding <laughs> and all the other things. But, you know, when you're in the thing that you're in being a hundred percent present and giving it your all and then knowing that you have it scheduled out, right? Like, okay, I know yeah. from example, you know, 6am to 8am I'm with my daughter. I don't think yeah. about anything else. She can drool on me. She can do whatever she wants. And, yeah. you know, and then when I'm right now, 9am to 10am, 10am, I'm, talking to you, having this great yeah. call and it's, it will get done. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you, you can, it might that. not look what the way you think it should look. Right. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> well, that's it other. never does. Even, yes. even if there's no baby involved or anything else, it never does. Right. And I love that message, staying present in the moment. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be where you are if, when you're there. Yes. Stay yeah. present and just love on yourself. Give yourself yeah. grace, self-care, as we've talked about. You do a really good job. I think you bet. Well, you do a good job when you decide to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I love yeah. that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being with us today, for sharing your story. It's an incredible story. And Amanda and I are we're kindred spirits in, in this really interesting way where every time we learn something new about each other, the other one usually has a similar experience or similar story. So our ability to relate is just so it's so juicy for me every time we talk. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing a little bit of that with my listeners today. If anybody has questions or they'd like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? That's actually probably the best way is just going the the LinkedIn route. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I have to just say you're one of my favorite humans. As you know, Mm -hmm. I adore you. You inspire me. It's so fun to talk to you. I love the word juicy. It's so juicy. It's It's always juicy juicy talking to you as well. So it's an honor truly to be asked to be on this podcast and to spend time with you. Well, thank you. It's an honor for me that you said yes and and to get to be here as well. So thank you. You bet. All right, y'all. As always, uh, thank you for joining us for this, this episode. And we will be back with you very, very soon. Happy entrepreneuring. And I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Precursor, The Startup Journey. 
If you have an idea for a startup and you want to explore the proven process of turning your idea into a viable business, check us out at Precursa.com. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer.